my name is Rick Firestone. My name is Ben Bugale, and you're listening to Pixel Project Radio, a video game, video game discussion, video game, video game, video game podcast where we talk about video games and other subjects, and that's what we're doing today, actually, is talking about a number of subjects. Isn't that right, Richard? It's true. It's true. Ben said video game uh, like four times, but don't let that mislead you because we're actually kind of talking about us. This is a very meta episode. It's our yearly wrap up. I am now full of myself. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a year. It's been a full calendar year, we should say. We we did this last year, uh, which was the first time we did it. And at that time, we hadn't been going for a full year. But, you know, we kind of figured the general vibe and atmosphere of the holiday time, it's the end of the calendar year, everybody is kind of reflective in nature, so we figured, what the hell, you know? Us too. Yeah, listen to us, guys, come on. So we're going to kind of reflect on the year that we've had podcasting, and then after that, we've got a bunch of AMAs that we're going to get through. You folks were so kind to send us in many questions. And we're going to get through all of them, and it's going to be a fun time. It is. It is. And uh, there are some real head scratchers here, and there are some that have very fluid answers. So please, for those questions, like, and I'm not going to read any right now, but you'll know, you'll know, be careful. Like, don't judge us too harshly, because we are humans capable of evolving, and our opinions can change, and... Certain things speak to us in certain moments more than others. Mm? You're making it sound like we're going to be answering like morality questions, like the trolley questions upon which people will judge our ethics. I mean, I'm just saying there's some of these questions that people really could judge us on. Okay. And we'll get to that one in particular momentarily. It's true. But for now, uh, let's get a little reflective. Can we get some reflective music in here? We should. Yeah, yeah. Who does that? Who's in charge of that? I want him. I want him sacked for not doing a better job. Um, I want him kissed on the forehead. <laughs> he's got a big one. So, this year, what a year it's been, Ben. It's been a brutal year, to be quite honest. It's it's in, and I mean, like I just, gosh, it, sitting down to do these episodes with you have been some of the times that I've actually felt like I can decompress and come up for air a little bit and that's you know it's one of those things where when, when we're when we're jiving when we're talking games you know and and spitting truths and kissing foreheads it's one of those things where i can feel a little bit more human it's nice to have the parameters to do these so i'm grateful for it i'm grateful for the stuff we've gotten to play and yeah how about you rick how how you feel about the year of our Lord 2022. I, you know, I think I can agree with that feeling human. You know, what we're doing is we are creating an art form. Well, not an art form. Podcasting has been long established, but we are participating in creating a podcast itself, which is a form of art. And naturally that involves talking. So I, you know, I agree with you. It's, it's a humanizing experience that kind of cleanses the palate, the soul, as it were. And it's been nice, you know. I, I think uh, I think this year has gone 
really swimmingly overall. Definitely some kinks and rough patches to remove and iron out, which we're which we're which we're doing for the next year. But all in all, yeah, uh, good stuff. Can I can I bend by the numbers for a moment? You absolutely may. So when we hit our one year mark, uh, I'm not going to talk hard numbers because I don't like doing that. But when we hit our one year mark, I had a particular milestone, like a number that I would have liked to hit, and we didn't hit it. We missed it by I think. 200 downloads not a lot but uh and that was in april april 1st technically march 31st but what the hell we'll call it april 1st our one year right yes our one year and that was april 1st of this year and now it's december of this year if you can believe that and we have since surpassed the doubling of that amount we have surpassed the double of my original one-year goal and it hasn't even been two years so we're seeing consistent growth that's a good thing that's what we want i like when the numbers go up me too and it's one of those things too like podcasting it's such an over hyper saturated field that like success and the number of downloads it's it's not often just it well frankly it's never based solely on you know, the quality of content, right? It's not a meritocracy. There's a, a significant amount of luck involved. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, all of the big podcasts that I listen to, they they all say the same thing. Like, it, luck is a huge part of it. SEO, search engine optimization, is a big part of it. And then you also have to be interesting on mic, too. But all things aside, I, I'm pretty proud of what we what we've been doing. I think I think we make a bang up podcast. Oh, and I think something that and this goes for anyone, and I think it especially goes for us. I mean, we've been in each other's lives for what, eleven years now. And I think and I, I, I say this about different worship styles, as I work for a church, as most all of you know. Sincerity has to come before passion, meaning that if you light a piece of tissue paper on fire, it's really pretty for a short period of time, and then it's gone. If you really want something to last, you find a log, you find something big that might not exactly ignite at first, but you, you have to stick with it, keep you know building up to it, and then let that burn, and it'll be a slow burn, it'll be a long burn, and ultimately a bright burn. Um, so, on, on, you know, not that being interesting doesn't count, because it does. But if Rick and I aren't friends and if we aren't jiving and able to communicate in a way that is sincere, we've lost you. So I appreciate being able to have that level of candor um, when we do this. So, And thank you all for allowing us to be who we are because the last thing we want to be is vessels that just are barking opinions and words at you. So I don't know. I have fun doing this with you. Absolutely. And I, I listen to some podcasts where it's very clear that uh, the the hosts aren't always great friends. You know, it very much feels like it's a job because in, in some ways it is uh, for some of these. And there's there's just no worse feeling. Well, there are a lot of worse feelings, but I'm being hyperbolic, if you'll bear with me. Um, but yeah, I think once, you know, once once an endeavor like this, like podcasting, like creating art with another person, whether it's chamber music uh, physical media, digital media, whatever. 
once you and that other person become more colleagues than friends, it really changes the dynamic. And, you know, once the fun is totally sapped out of it, it changes the dynamic even further. And that's yeah. not to say that there's no work involved. Like, you know, a, a very famous quote by John Delancey that I'm going to, uh, who is an oboist, that I'm going to kind of just summarize is that, you know, music is enjoyable, but it was never fun, you know, like it was work. And I think that's a very valid take, particularly for people that do it, you know, as a career, which we certainly are not doing for podcasting. <laughs> very few people do that. But uh, once, you know, once all of the joy is sapped out of something like this, it's it's noticeable. I think everybody can tell. Everybody they can, and it's important for us to avoid those weeds, right? And it's important for you, if you are a listener, fellow podcaster, it's important that you maintain that friendship and the fun because – and also your parameters around what fun is, right? Because, you know, it's one thing to have healthy boundaries and to, you know, have a certain level of expectation, but it's another to to be in a, a non-communicative hampering sort of way. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Yeah. Fun. Fun matters because, gosh darn it, if we only have one go round, we might as well have a few teehees and a few hoo hoo hoos and a few ha ha ha's. Might as well have a few japes. Maybe even some hijinks. I feel like there's a sound effect of like a slide whistle there or something, but I, I don't know. Some, uh, some mischief? Some forehead kisses? What is it with you and forehead kisses today? Dude, I love forehead kisses and I love giving them and getting them. And uh, I don't know if this is a pro forehead kiss podcast, but I am pro forehead kiss. So please bring them on. That's right. If you ever see us in public, just know that the consent is open. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So... We uh, we got through a full year. We changed up our format a little bit. We added a Patreon that you could subscribe to. We kept our social medias going. But let's talk brass tacks. Let's talk about some of these episodes that we did. So what I want to know, Ben, is what was your favorite game that we did on the show? And if it's different, what was your favorite episode that we recorded? Okay, so when you say, first of all, you're talking about this year. Just yeah, 2022. Just, just 2022. Okay, okay, okay. So, favorite game this year for me is still Inscription. I, I just... Sure, it, sure. It, it, just, it just was. Um, what was yours, though? Or do you want me to answer all three first? How would you like to do this? No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's hear what else you have to say. Inscription was my favorite game. In fact, I, I shouldn't just say it was my favorite game we played this year. It has ended up in my top three games of all time for me personally. So Rick, thank you for picking that. Thanks for changing my life there, buddy. Um, the stuff that I really liked this year was first of all, capitalizing on Mario day. I really liked doing our episode on um, super Mario Odyssey. I probably wouldn't have got around to that game this year had we not done it. And I'm glad that we did because that game is incredible. It is an incredible game. Um, as I look back at episodes past and just seeing everything we did, goodness gracious, holy man, a Batman. Um, I really liked doing our Tony Hawk episode with Dave. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
and all the guests that we've had on this year. And Dave, uh, Eric, the Listoff boys, Ryan and Brian, oh, yeah. Colby, everybody. Well, that's just it. Like, you're asking me to pick a favorite child, and I can't. Because I'm just sitting here going over everything, and I'm like, ah, oh, yes, and Brian, and Ryan, Dave, Colby. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I liked all of them too much, and I feel like a, a schmutz. Well, let me rephrase the question. Was there an episode that was surprisingly fun to record for you that maybe you went in thinking like, yeah, this is going to be fine. And then you were like, oh, wow, that was a lot of fun. Night in the Woods was a feast. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's still the episode. If somebody hasn't heard the show, that's the one that I'm always eager to recommend. Yeah, it was. That's not to say it was the most fun I had, but I will say it was a feast of information and conversation. In terms of the most fun, I really liked doing Studio Ghibli with you. And I again, I, I liked our, our Tony Hawk podcast a lot. That was, um, that was a lot of fun because it really took me down memory lane, like big time. And, and admittedly, the Star Wars games with the list-off guys, that was kind of chaotic in a good way. <laughs> it is always fun talking Star Wars with Ryan and Brian. What about you? Same questions, Richard. You know, for the show, the favorite game that we played this year uh, is Night in the Woods, hands mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a game that is now going to be probably a yearly replay. Like, like the same frequency I rewatched The Sopranos. Like, every year and a half, maybe 1.4 years, I'll probably go through it again. It's It's just a really beautiful little cozy game. And I liked everything about it. Man, I... I feel like I'm going to be picking the same stuff you did because <laughs> I could very well make that my favorite episode because it, it was, I think it's probably the best episode we recorded. Like if I had to pick. That's pretty had to. Praise. And uh, if I could, I will say we were speaking from firsthand experience. We lived that game. That, and that's, that's, <laughs> that is right. We found an arm and we had a cult chase after us. This was real. They found an arm in the Chesapeake Bay around my sister's wedding weekend. There's a lot of that that we should unpack, but I was going to make a dumb joke, man. And then you go and drop some, <laughs> some serious real-world problems. I was going to say something dumb like, yeah, the one they call drunk sheets, stay away from it after 2 a.m. And then you say, no, there was an actual arm that turned up at my sister's wedding. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, you should stay away from drunk sheets. That's... We are an anti-drunk sheets podcast. Let's not get too crazy here. I had some fun experiences at the drunk sheets in college. There it is. Please continue. Forgive my interruption. <laughs> no, no. Uh, just never let it happen again. Um, <laughs> but I no, the Night in the Woods episode was a ton of fun. The Studio Ghibli episode was... If, that, if Night in the Woods is my number one, that's my number two. Like, that was just such a blast going through... Like, Porco Rosso, seeing that for the first time this year was incredible. Like, I had so much fun. And it's so much fun to talk about those. The soundtrack, Joe Hisashi is just a master. And ah, it's that was such a fun episode. I personally did two solo episodes. Uh, they're not video essays because there's no video to them. They're just kind of essays. But I had a lot of fun writing those and recording them. Uh, expect more, I mean, at least from me in the future from that. Uh, you can't get away from it, listeners. You can't get away from me. Uh, but I had a lot of fun doing that. I also I also thought the uh, 
the Mario episode was really fun. The list off episode was really fun. Yeah. You know, there wasn't anything this year that I didn't have a good time doing like last year. Um, and I, I know this was your pick, so I apologize, but last year really did not like going through at dead of night. That was a real drag for me. But this year I, there was nothing that we played that I genuinely disliked. Yeah, at Dead of Night, the thing that I forgot about it, too, is the fact that it becomes, I I won't even say difficult, it just gets broken at one point, and then it just gets bad. Like, I can respect almost any composition or any video game for what it is, but there comes a point where it just, it's too much of a caricature, it's broken, so I, I I don't not disagree with you to that end. Yeah, and I know you weren't as hot on the cat lady before as I was too, which is a weird thing to say. If you don't know if that's a video game, I, I can't say that I am hot on the cat lady. I can say, I see it for what it is, but I am not, I'm, I am not a hot person for cat lady. <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. Well, your, your lovely wife has, has a pupper. So I, I would hope that you wouldn't be. There we go. Which is also to say you have a pupper. I do. Let me ask you this. Uh, was there any game this year that surprised you, like positive or negative? I think if that is a question that somebody submitted, I apologize. We'll we'll expand upon it when we get there. But was there anyone that we played that you were like, oh, like I know Inscription is going to be your answer, but you're like, oh, this is far better than I thought it would be. Well, Inscription did surprise me, but I I was surprised, I'd say, a few times. Edith Finch really struck me. I was not ready for Edith Finch to be what it was, but it was gorgeous. That was that was really surprising. Like I, I knew it would be interesting because Annapurna Games puts out interesting material, but it was I was not ready for it to be what it was. So and of course, of course, Inscription. Um, I was so pleased though to do uh, Professor Layton in the Curious Village, and I know that that's not like an answer to your question at all, but I was glad that you got to play it. That was fun. So. And that is a game that I approached being like, oh, you know, I don't know how I'll feel about it, but I actually had a ton of fun. It was really fun to play. What about you, Rick? What surprised you? Um, I mean, Super Mario Odyssey was the was the big one. I've never been a big 3D Mario guy. Like, I played a bit of 64 and a bit of the DS port of 64, but, like, never completed any of them. I never stuck with any of them. But getting going through all of Odyssey... And then playing it after the show was a, t- a ton of fun. Like, it's just a really, really satisfying game. And the, the cool thing is, too, is now that I'm going back, like, I'm playing Super Mario World for the first time. In 2022, I'm playing a 1991 SNES game for the first time. And uh, a lot of the DNA is just there. You could t- you could see it as far back as 91. It's so cool. It's uh, It's just a lot of fun. I'm a Mario guy now. Yeah, once you get into, like, platformers, it really, um, I don't know, like, those kind of platformers. And then there's, like, your Banjo-Kazooies and Banjo-Tooies, which are, like, ooh, I really want to do that next year at some point. Oh, yeah. I also just wanted to say real quick, too, Shredder's Revenge. I was not prepared (laughs) to like that game as much as I did. I have played it with two different friend groups at this point. I've played it by myself. I've listened to the soundtrack by myself. What a good-ass game. Just pure video game. Just so much fun. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. That's awesome. I felt so bad, and I want to take an opportunity to say 
I felt so bad I couldn't be for that, and I also was not able to put out everything that I wanted to for Outer Wilds because of, um, actually speaking of Pupper, some emergencies involving her, um, which I won't get into right now, but I just, I appreciate everyone's patience and yours, Rick, with that chapter because it was very scary. Yeah, of course. I wasn't, I mean, I certainly wasn't going to bring that up, but um, we don't have to go any deeper into that. Um, that's, that, that is a privacy thing. That's a boundary that we're going to create. But um, any, like I've told you before, anytime you feel like putting that Outer Wilds in the, uh, in the Google Drive, I will get it uploaded, even if it's not on the schedule. I appreciate that. Yeah, it will, it will happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So you want to do Banjo-Kazooie next year. And I think that's a great idea, because I've never played it. It's a son of a bitch. There are a couple of games that I want to do next year. One of them is genuine, and one of them <laughs> just because I think it would be funny. Do you want to hear it? I want to hear both. We're, we're, making, we're making this right now. The, these are plans for the podcast. So Donkey Kong 64. That's one we've talked about before on and off mic. I want to mm-hmm, do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this coming year. We've got a uh, another podcaster that's interested in guesting with us if we do that. And I've never played it. I've always wanted to play that game. Ever since I was a kid, the rights are so dispersed and murky and bisected that it's never going to get remastered, or at least not anytime soon. And I want to do it. <laughs> I just want to do it so bad. The other one... I would love to do an episode either just on the remake or on both the original and the remake of Shaq Fu. These games are bad, dude. But like they're like at least the remake, it's hilariously bad. Like it's not a great game, but it's so funny. And like sometimes not in a good way. <laughs> like it's funny like, "Oh, I can't believe they uh they let that line of dialogue in there." But it's like it's like a it's it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. I I don't know what to say to Shaq Fu. Oh come on, Ben. I come on, Dad. Let me have it. No, no, yeah, no. That would that would be chaotic to do. Um, we'll figure that one out. Oh, listeners, if you support us doing Shaq Fu, I want you to tag Ben in the Discord and let him know. Let him know. I mean, I'll do it. I don't have a problem with it, but I do want people to get fired up for Jesus. I mean, for Shaq Fu. <laughs> it's, oh man, I tried playing the original Shaq Fu. It is a disaster of a game. <laughs> sure it is. Speaking of future podcast stuff, is there anything moving forward that you'd like us to do more of on the podcast? I know the big one for me was, you know, doing more multi-part episodes. And I think we've both agreed that that's a good idea. So we're we're implementing that for sure. But in terms of like content that we do, is there anything that you'd like to do more of? I am always a fan of topic episodes because we can get either into some really hard facts in history. We can get into some really deep opinions. We can get into, I mean, there's, I mean, a galaxy of topics and choices that we can discuss at as long as we want, you know what I mean? Like talking about video game controllers and video game composers, and then we can get into some, some, some more interesting ones. Like we just did one on broken and buggy games and, and how a few oversights literally is the difference between a game that makes history as being a, a champion, you know, a, a, a goal, 
a standard and then a few mistakes that makes a game into a joke. Like, come on. I like that kind of stuff. That's me. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think those topic episodes can be a lot of fun. Um, like, especially the like Studio Ghibli episode. That was a lot of fun. Yes. Covering other, like, I don't want to ever become a variety podcast. And and by variety, I'm I'm thinking specifically of like the variety shows of early television, right? Where anything goes. <laughs> so some of those bore some bore some bore some real fruit. But you know, I I I don't I like being a video game podcast. I don't want to transition to a film podcast or anything like that. But I think covering other forms of media sometimes is a lot of fun. Um, and you know, Miyazaki does have his last movie supposedly in plans to release this coming year mm-hmm. it's true at least at least in japan i don't think my japanese will be good enough to listen or to watch that but you know who can say maybe it'll come out in the states certainly at some point oh for sure for sure i think it would be cool to do more retro games i mean you'll never hear a complaint from me about retro games like oh yeah I mean, the N64 titles aren't an issue because you have an actual N64 that works. So I problem do. solved there. Um, I, I have this year, I've gotten super into retro gaming and emulation. Um, and I found a computer program that I think will be super easy to set up on, on your machine. And it will make emulating some of these older like uh, Dreamcast or Saturn or PS1 or Super Nintendo. It'll make them real easy. And I think that would be a lot of fun because there are a lot of gems in that era of gaming. I agree. I agree entirely. I mean, it is the era of like the explosion of video games, a lot of that stuff, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. There are still a lot of great games coming out now. And you're never going to hear me say that now is not the best time to play video games because it is. It is. Uh, I, I personally prefer the era of PS1, PS2, but there's never been a better time to be a video game player and enjoyer. There, there just hasn't. There's so much good stuff out there from so many different developers. You can play almost anything under the sun you want these days. It's, yeah, great time to be into video games, especially because, too, there's so many different styles and genres. There, There's something for everyone. I hate using that phrase. <laughs> I hate channeling IGN. But, like, there is something for everyone if you're into the art games or if you're into just, you know, shooters or just, you know, time killers. Something for everyone. It's great. Mm-hmm. Seven out of ten. There's a little something for everyone. Too much water. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, enough yakking from us. Listen, you know us. We yak at you all the time. We appreciate you listening. We love you all very much. But you're all here because you want to hear the questions that were submitted by our dear listeners. Mm-hmm. So I think we should do that. We're going to start with our patrons. As always, if you want to be like them and help support local artists, small artists like me and Ben, you could do that by going to patreon.com slash pixel project radio. You get some cool stuff with every tier. 
and you can join for as low as two bucks. And that gives you uh, voting privileges and you get extra episodes each month. So if you like us, uh, give it a consider. But first, we're going to start with our newest patron, Mikey Tabletop, from the Big Drink Energy podcast. He submitted two questions. So we're going to read one at a time. First, top three Beatles songs. So this was the question that I was referring to earlier when I said that people could judge us very harshly for this. Because it's... um. Golly, you can you can sound like a lot of things depending on how you answer this. But I know for you, uh, we were talking before in the green room, as it were, that this changes and it changes a lot. Um, Rick and I are both humongabunga Beatles fans. Um, so, Rick, I I would love nothing more than to hear your top three and to see if we have any overlap. Okay, okay, okay. I and. This, this does change all the time for me. My number one generally never changes, uh, but the rest of them always do. And uh, at the time of recording this, the newest uh, remastering, is that the remixing? I'm not sure of the verbiage, of uh, Revolver came out. Revolver is one of my favorite uh, albums. But, uh, so, there might be some recency bias on there. Uh, and there definitely is, actually, <laughs> because my numbers three and two come from that. Uh, my number three, at least as of right now, uh, would be For No One. Hmm. Short, just a little shorty, like two minutes long. Just something about it that just really hits me on a very deep level with that tune. And it's McCartney doing what he does best. You know, he's singing quote-unquote silly little love songs but in a very melodic way it's it's just distilled mccartney i and i i really love it my number two for sure is rain i think rain is just a fantastic tune and it was so cool on the new remastering to hear the original version they recorded at tempo before they slowed it down uh so cool to hear ringo just going all out on that ah, i love that <laughs> tune so much and my number one of course the one that i think is far and away their magnum opus a day in the life hmm. I, I just i think that song is perfection it is everything about the beatles that is good all in one track love it fascinating we have literally no overlap whatsoever <laughs> and that's okay so and again, this changes all the time because I literally forget some songs exist until like, oh yeah, they did that. Oh yeah. Um, I would say in the moment, my number three would probably be Yesterday. I just, I always like Classic. a good, I like a good sappy ballad sometime. I also like certain songs based on how I'm able to like listen to them and harmonize along with them as I listen to them. And Yesterday is a really satisfying one uh, for me personally. Getting into two and number one is very difficult because of these particular albums and how impressionable they were for me which would be the white album and abbey road i love these two albums so very much and that is my mother's fault part of me is feeling chaotic and wants to put songs like mean mr mustard as my number one uh but i i don't think i can do that to, to you all uh today honestly I would say Martha, my dear, is probably my number two. I don't know why I like it as much as I do. I just, I always have. I don't know. My number one, I would probably say, is The End from Abbey Road. 
it kind of, you know, everyone gets a, a chance to shine in that in a, in a lot of ways. And I mean, there's, there's a drum solo for goodness sake. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. I always kind of just like by default, think of all of those uh, tunes as the Abbey Road medley, like starting with you never give me your money all the way through her majesty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's just it. That's why I said like, it's impossible for me because I just would pick the back half of Abbey Road. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, to be fair, that is that is a uh, such a good way to take an album out, like to end it. And and if I'm not mistaken, it was actually the last album that they would have like recorded, but not the last one that they put out. I've heard a lot of things around that from like a historical front. That's why The End and Her Majesty are the last two. Interesting. I hadn't heard that before. Mm. An anth- a musical anthropologist friend of mine had told me that, and I was like, well, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> you know what you're talking about. You'd hope. Hard question. We respect it. Do you want to take care of Mikey's other question? I really, really do. This is, of course, I'm I'm asking this question with one of my favorite movies of all time being A Muppet's Christmas Carol. If you had to replace the entire cast of a movie with Muppets except one person, which movie and who remains human? This is a tough one. As as I'll mention later on, I kind of think that I'm a pretty casual movie fan. Like, I think you and I, Ben, just by training, can appreciate art at, at a somewhat higher level than the average person. But as far as movies go, like, I don't really watch a ton of movies. I'm a I'm a bit of a cinephile, if I can be honest. I if I if I can watch as much I could watch a movie literally every night of my life and be perfectly fine wow i did not know that about you yeah i'm that's not me saying that i'm an expert in all things film but i love film and i love going off the beaten path and finding i don't like to just find things so i can say oh i found this and it's from a film festival like i'll i'll watch literally well i shouldn't say anything yeah i don't know i i've always liked the history of film sure sure um do you have a good one to fire off? I, I, I'm i not quite sure on this one. Um, unfortunately, I do. And for those of you who know the movie, C- The Cider House Rules, you will know exactly why I picked this movie. It's because one of the leads is, drumroll please, Michael Caine, yet again. And I figured we <laughs> might as well have him in another movie with Muppets because he treated them all as if they were humans when he was filming a Muppets Christmas Carol and it is the best rendition of the Christmas Carol that exists. So, I would pick Cider House Rules. It's a drama romance movie. There's, it's an, it's a very, very severe movie at a lot of points. And you know, there's a doctor at an orphanage, and it's it's this whole thing. And there's like drug abuse and, and all sorts of stuff. And I would just love to see Michael Caine interacting with Muppets again, but in something even more serious. I, I can't say that I'm familiar with that movie, to be honest with you. My dad loved it. It was it was uh, it was something. Well, unfortunately, mine aren't going to be uh, very interesting. I don't think. I think it would be pretty funny uh, for Top Gun. You know, thinking about the volleyball scene, like if just one of the volleyball players was a person and the rest were Muppets. I think that'd be pretty funny. I like that. Or uh, think thinking about like Pulp Fiction. You know, the the whole like, what country are you from? Like that that whole scene, if it was just Samuel L. Jackson and everybody else was Muppets, I think that'd be pretty. I think that'd be pretty good. What about like 
Okay, and hear me out here. Kinky boots or saving Private Ryan? <laughs> That's good. That's good. I could see both of those. There, there's also something funny to me about picturing the Goodwill hunting scene, like the it's not your fault scene, with Robin Williams as a person, but everybody else is Muppets. There's something kind of funny about that. Good questions. Good questions, Mikey Tabletop. Yeah, thank you, Mikey. Let's move on to another patron, Eric Guess. Uh, he says, from the Unlockables podcast, by the way, he says, if time and money weren't a factor, what other creative pursuits would you do? I've, I've got one right off the bat, woodworking. Like, if I had all the time and money in the world, it would be cool to just, like, buy all the tools, which is a huge investment, and just learn how to, like, make a table, make a shelf, make a canoe. Hmm. <laughs> I... I mean, there's so many things I'm interested in and like building structures is one of those. But I honestly, if I could just compose all of the time, compose and arrange so that I could explore and understand myself better through that process, because that's what it is. I have learned more about myself by looking at myself on ink and paper than I have even looking in a mirror sometimes. That's what I would say my answer is. All right. Yeah, that's respectable. I've, uh... I've not dabbled too much into composing myself. It's revelatory. I think it would also be cool, like, uh, like I would love to do, like, voice acting. If, like, time and money weren't a factor, just buy some really nice equipment and, like, take some lessons. I don't necessarily think that I have a great voice or anything, but, like, I've always, there's a part of me that's always wanted to do acting, like, stage acting, not, like, movie acting. Although, you kind of have to do everything from what I understand. Uh, but... Yeah, like voice acting, that, that sounds like it'd be pretty darn cool. I have a lot of respect for people like Rob Paulson, Troy Baker, and, you know, everybody. I always space on uh, the actress who plays Morgana. Like, I, I could picture her uh, from Persona 5, that, that is. I could picture her, but I can never remember her name. It'll come to me later. But yeah, I think that might be another for me. Acting, I, I don't disagree. I, I did a lot of acting, and I've loved it. And Rick, you know, you're stage acting is the best foundation for a lot of people so like absolutely yes i have loved the series and or on disney plus but i have to put the subtitles on because a lot of people's backgrounds are not stage acting like previous star wars films interesting i i'm not really sure what you mean a lot of people that um george lucas got for the star wars of the 70s and 80s had a lot of experience doing stage acting first like alec guinness and ian mcdermott well, oh, okay. I mean, I, I understand that part, but um, why would that, uh, why would that convince you to put on subtitles? Because they don't speak with the same level of clarity that you learn whenever you pursue stage acting more. Oh, they don't do their diction exercises. No, they don't, and they whisper, and they don't support from the diaphragm and everything else. They're very. Like, it's very organic and real, like how it would be in real life, but you also can't understand anything. Well, you can understand some things, but I can't tell you how many times I've had to rewind to try to pick up any fricatives. Well, you heard it here. Star Wars, Disney, hey, do better. Just a little. I mean, good writing in Andor. I just want to understand you. It's not a, not a lot to ask. All right, moving on. We've got a show regular Dave Jackson from Tales from the Backlog podcast and a top three podcast. 
He writes, What are some games throughout your life that made you view video games in a different light? I mean, I, I think this is probably going to be an obvious answer for folks that listen to the show for me, but uh, Final Fantasy IX is a big one. It was the first game that I played like as a kid that had a really cool story and great characters, and that's what kind of got me into story-based video games. Uh, Disco Elysium is the other one. That is, <laughs> like, there is... It's just, that is such a once-in-a-lifetime video game. I don't think I, I will be lucky to experience something like that again, but it just, in terms of the quality of the writing, the political spin that they put on a lot of things, both subtly and not so subtly, the the way that they deal with relationships and relationship traumas and substance abuse, like, it's just all so good so good and i know we have another listener to the show keith from the main quest who despises the game but it, it's still my favorite game of all time it's hard to beat for me so some games that have changed how i view the world um majora's mask i have to say obviously did because it's a very intense game to experience when you're like eight years old and it really i think shaped a lot of my perspectives on relationships and time management lol um <laughs> One game, two, okay, this is another game, uh, Warplanes, which I have on my uh, Oculus. It's made me realize how far video games can go and what they can do in terms of a transportative nature. To put yourself in the cockpit of a World War I dogfighter, really different. So what do we get to experience next that could, you know, really change people's lives? And third, honestly, what remains of Edith Finch? Now, I know that you might go, okay, I can understand that. Well, hold on, hold on just a second. And you can understand it. And I'm not going to take that away from you. It was interesting to see a game display so many different realities to so many different people. Because you might think that you're the only person in the world that views things the way that you do. Playing through that game and seeing, like, things from a child's perspective, from you know, an adult's perspective from someone who's dealing with some really, you know, some really heavy material um, on a mental health front, all of those sorts of things being displayed so candidly. It's, it's like almost like a forced empathy. I don't know. It was, it was really well done. I didn't know a video game could do something quite like that. Yeah. Plus one for Edith Finch. I, I love that game. That is such a terrific one. I can see how playing Majora's Mask as a kid would, uh, be pretty impressionable on you it was <laughs> that has the potential to be pretty traumatic do you want to take dave's next question which game world from a game you played this year would be the best to live in and which would be the worst that's a hard one uh i'm gonna say uh gosh i don't rick i don't even know where to begin with this one like obviously i want to say inscription could be the worst because it's like a broken dystopia of like card battling but i'm i'm not really sure i'd have to think about this for a little bit i, I think for me the worst would be lisa the painful mm. uh, that's one that we did back in february where our good friend of the show charlie was a uh was a guest uh that is about the worst <laughs> possible reality that i can imagine mm -hmm. as far as the best though like there are a lot of them on here that are just kind of the world that we live in today you know like we could pick tony hawk and it's like okay nothing changes you know 
I'd say worst is Until Dawn. I wouldn't want to live there. Definitely not ideal. Night in the Woods? I think I'd pick that. Like, take me back to Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Oh, as your best? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places that, you know, video games are all about building us as people and characters. So, like, there's a lot of hardship everywhere, and I don't know. All right, if you were transported to the town of Possum Springs, what kind of animal would you be? I know what I would hope to be. No, I don't know. Um, golly, I have I have no idea. Maybe a flying squirrel. Nah, or sugar glider. I don't know. What about you? I could see that. My my heart tells me that I would be a turtle or a bear. One of the two. I like those. All right. Thank you, Dave, for some great questions. Uh, we do have one more patron question, but we're going to save that for the end because it's it's a good one. It's probably my favorite question <laughs> that we received. So we're going to move to the non-patron questions that we got from Discord, Instagram, and Twitter, starting with Nikolai at Night from Friday Night Gamecast. He wants to know our top three orchestra OSTs. You take this away first, baby. Uh, so Chicago Symphony Orchestra, uh, London Phil... <laughs> No, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just kidding. Keep going. That's a that's a little that's a little musician humor there for ya. Ah, that's a little musician humor. No, you know, I I feel like a lot of the times when I hear a video game soundtrack that's an OST, that it's like so many times it's just kind of fine. You know what I mean? They like they really want to go for that just kind of generic action movie trailer kind of just orchestral like swooshes and things like that. So. I, it took me a it took me a while to think about this. Um, I know for sure Nino Kuni would be number one uh, because that is that's Joe Hisashi doing what he does best. It's incredible. Like <laughs> what what more is there to say? Uh, the Witcher Three uh, would be my number two. I think it's not traditional orchestra, uh, but they use a lot of period instruments and folk instruments combined with orchestral settings. Uh, I think that's a great soundtrack. And number three, jeez, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, oh, Cuphead, that was the other one because he didn't say it had to be a standard orchestra. It's a jazz orchestra, so uh, Cuphead would be my number three. I respect Cuphead. Cu- uh, listen to me speak English. <laughs> I was gonna say I respect Cuphead. I. I'm going to throw this one in as kind of a curveball. There was a, a, a person named, uh, I think their name was Theophany, and they made a soundtrack for Majora's Mask, but they used like real instruments and in instrumentation. I know that's not. Oh, the I've sa- seen that. I know it's not the actual soundtrack per se, but it's really beautiful and they are live instruments and um, it speaks to me big time. Um, I've always, I don't know if I could throw Professor Layton in this because it's a lot of MIDI instruments but like it is not you know I don't know I don't know how to feel about that um Undertale's music with a live orchestra is also good but if we're talking like true orchestral soundtrack I have a number one that has yet to be dethroned from anything I've ever heard and that is Skyward Swords soundtrack it's just one of those things where they were like, ah, it's a big anniversary year. Let's use a live orchestra for everything. Ooh. I, uh, speaking of games that uh, we would like to be in 2023, I would love to do a 2D and a 3D Zelda at some point. 
Yeah. Skyward Sword. Just saying. Skyward Sword, I, I would definitely say, is just my number one no matter what. All right. Thank you, Nikolai. We've got another one here. Bits of Time Podcast. I don't know which one of you submitted this, so I apologize. They say, if you had to pick one game that influenced you the most, which and why, do you still like it, or is it a fond memory? Majora's Mask. Still play it. Fond memories. <laughs> yeah. Next! Yeah, I could say that. Sorry. <laughs> I could say the same for Final Fantasy IX. Like, big time influenced. Played it again this year. Yeah, it still holds up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is there is there a game that you could think of that you were really into or influenced your tastes as a kid, but like now you're not so hot on it? No. No, I can't say so. How about for you? Um, I, I mean, Kingdom Hearts. Like, I'm not, I don't dislike it. Fair, but it's, fair. It's, it's not, like, it used to be the greatest of all time for me. Yep. Like, especially when it came out and I was in fourth grade. Jeez, I mean, <laughs> send me to an island and just give me Kingdom Hearts. Pants but now shitting, it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, the big, giant, goofy-ass shorts shitting. Uh, But, yeah, you know, I don't know. There are some games that I played as a kid that I went back and played as an adult and it's like, yeah, this doesn't hold up, but none that like genuinely influenced me, you know? I do. Yeah, no, Kingdom Hearts is a good example. I think Sly Cooper is another one of those games that if I were to go back and play, I'd be like, you know what? Maybe not. And thank you, the Bits of Time boys. They make a good podcast over there. You want to take us over to Alejandro? I would love to. Alejandro from A Random Gamer's Corner asks, what remake slash reimagining is the worst game or TV? So this is a, this is a tough one. There is a lot of examples. Uh, but one that came to mind really quick for me for TV is the, uh, the live action remake of Cowboy Bebop. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's rough, man. It's like... They try. They tried their best to emulate all of the style and nuances of anime, and it's just you can't do that. It's like, have you ever? You don't use TikTok, but I've sent you TikToks, and I'm sure you've seen like just you know the TikToks of like an influencer doing their thing, and like it looks normal on TikTok, but if you've ever seen somebody filming one of those, it's kind of like secondhand embarrassing. You know, you know the feeling I'm talking about? I definitely know secondhand, like, empathy embarrassment. Right. Like, that's what I feel when I was watching some of that Cowboy Bebop reimagining. It's like, it works on anime. It does not work when real people do it. That's why it's so fun to, like, uh, you know, make fun of people like me that love anime and, like, pretend that they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, uh... (laughs) I didn't see you there and like all the noises. That's why it's so fun because you don't do that because <laughs> it's weird and awkward. Yeah. Um, what remake reimagining is the worst. Um, I, I can only speak a little bit about this. The Mario movie that's coming out. I'm really not looking forward to that in the slightest. Oh, why not? I just, it just, nope, no, no, it's as, it's it looks about as good as the first incarnation of the Sonic movie to me. Interesting. It it definitely like it's kind of got that soulless big motion picture look to me. Um 
I, I, I thought you would be more into it. I'm surprised. No, I, I generally hate those kinds of things. Like people have said like, oh, The Legend of Zelda is going to get something on Netflix. And I'm like, please don't. Please don't touch it. Like the point yeah. of these things is like Sonic kind of makes some sense because like you're generally going from one place to another, dare I say. But when you're dealing with Mario and Zelda, you have this this amount of choice that's not just going from point A to point B. Like there are some, you know, not that you can't put your own spin on Sonic, but it's, but, um, haha, got him, hey yo, got him. Um, it's just I don't know, and and Chris Pratt doing the voicing. I mean, with Charles Martinet still alive, like I don't know, it doesn't. That just doesn't make. It does not make sense. Chris Pratt is definitely the weakest one out of the bunch that I've heard. Like, his wahoo at the end of the newest trailer sounds so sad. Whoever's doing Bowser sounds like they fit the bill. Whoever's doing... It's Jack Black, buddy. That's right. It's him. And then it's Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. See, those check out to me. And, like, I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is fine. But, like, Mario and and Luigi, I... Charlie Day is Luigi. I know. He just sounds like Charlie. That's the problem. I don't have a problem with Charlie Day. It's just, it was a weird choice. Exactly. So that's my answer. We thank you, Alejandro. Also making a good podcast over there. Uh, Mason on Twitter, Mr. MT Grizz. He wants to know, games that you felt like were a waste of time and or wish you could unplay. Really short answer here. The dear God. I knew it. I knew that was going to be yours. That show is legendary at this point on the uh, show. You know, I I don't want to hurt your feelings, but at Dead of Night, I really felt like that was a waste of time for me. That doesn't for hurt me my personally. feelings. No, that doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I can understand it. There's another one that I read, a visual novel called Milk Inside of a Bag of Milk Inside of a Bag of Milk. Uh, that's like 10 minutes long. So it's not really, it wasn't a waste of time because I didn't invest any time into it. Uh, but it was just a really bad visual novel that's for some reason people love on Steam. Weird to me. But uh, yeah, I think at Dead of Night might be mine. I'm really good about like, if a game is not vibing with me, I'll put it down. Like I have no problem. No problem. I got 20 hours into Final Fantasy 13 and I was like, this isn't fun. So I put it down and I'm never going to pick it up again. Good. It's 20 hours. You know, there's there's too much time or no, excuse me, <laughs> the exact opposite. There's not enough time. There's too much stuff to play and to read and to listen to. Like if something's not for you, put it down, come back to it later. But, you know, don't force your way through it unless you're doing a podcast like we are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever been in that situation. Even even at Dead of Night wasn't that bad. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for in a game but it can miss a lot of marks depending on your perspective on it. But even if your perspective's good, it still misses a number of marks. Sure. I feel you. And thank you, Mason VGL podcast. Sorry that I don't know who wrote that in, but they're at VGL underscore podcast. You're stuck on an Island and can only bring one console and three games, which three and I'm going to go ahead and just add an addendum on here that I think will make it more fun. Uh, backwards compatibility doesn't count. So you can't bring a PS2 and bring a PS1 game. Okay. All right. So what would you what would you pick? Well, you know, I, I thought about this a lot. 
Uh, because I didn't want to say PC because that's cheating. It is. It is cheating. So shame on you, whoever you are. <laughs> shame on you for even considering it. Repent. Um, gosh, you know, I think I wanted to say, because I thought about SNES, I thought about Saturn, I thought about so many things. I might say PS2. Mm-hmm. And the PS2 games that I would bring, GTA San Andreas, just because that's a sandbox, you just goof off and, you know, do whatever. Final Fantasy X, not ten two. I don't think I would bring Xenosaga, any of them, just because, like, you gotta have all three, and I'm not gonna do all three. So I think GTA San Andreas, or Vice City, either or, really. Uh, Final Fantasy X, and I'm struggling with a third one. Kingdom Hearts. No, not Kingdom Hearts. Okay, Kingdom Hearts 2. (laughs) I I almost want to say Persona 3, but at the same time, I don't. Um, Pro is that it's like a 100-hour game, but like it's too similar to Final Fantasy X, I think, and Final Fantasy X is just overall a little better. I might... Oh, you know what? Um... Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, is the story great? No, not at all. But, you know, it's a game that I grew up with, and it's Tony Hawk. So I think having those three different kind of genres would be fun. Cool. Although I'm sure I'll think of a better JRPG at some point. What about you? <laughs> Honestly, so it depends. And I can give some pretty quick answers to this. If I was bringing the Nintendo 64... It would be Majora's Mask, Diddy Kong Racing, and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. If I was bringing the Nintendo Switch with me, which I more likely would choose, I would choose hands down Breath of the Wild. I would choose Mario Kart 8. And I would also choose as a third game. And this this one is, this is the harder decision for me. I would probably, because they make Inscription for the Switch, I would probably bring Inscription. Yeah, I think Switch is a great answer um, because of how many indie titles are now coming over. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, well, not that Inscription is indie per se, but like Inscription, like Undertale, you know. Oh, oh, wait a second. You said Undertale. Oh, that hurts. I might need to pick Undertale instead of Mario Kart. I don't know. Undertale's a good one. It's my number two of all time. I think those are good picks. The variety is good. That's what it's all about. Survivability. I mean, variety. (laughs) Thank you, VGL, for that great question. Uh, Ben, do you want to take Colby's first question? I do. Colby Moyer of Switch It Up Podcast. Hi, Colby. Thank you for these. What's been the biggest gain from doing the podcast? I'll answer first and say getting to know you better. You, Rick, not you listeners. I mean, sure, you listeners too, of course. But like, just... You know, let the sappy music play. Getting to know my friend better and having a better understanding of what makes him tick and what makes his brain go. That's been a big gain for me. I don't really have anything else to say other than that. Oh, you, you son of a bitch. I am. How, how are you going to come at me with such a genuine answer on air without even telling me first? Why would I do that? That's very nice, man. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm really glad that we've got to spend so much time together as well. What's your biggest gain, though? Well, well now I don't want to... Because I can't top that. That's not fair. You could say whatever you want. I won't take anything personally. <laughs> if it's something else, I mean, 
Because, I mean, I, I could put that, too. I mean, I, I certainly would say that. Like, I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else. Uh, not that there wouldn't be other people that would be good at it and would have good chemistry. But, like, you know, I mean, we've we've been friends for so long. And, yeah, you're just... You're the one, baby. You're my, uh, you're, you're my number one. And I'm, I'm, I'm also just, I'm, I'm so tickled that we get to do this together and spend so much time together. We do. I, man, you, <laughs> you really made it tough to go after that. Um, honestly, and I think, I think we could both say this too. Just having a creative outlet is mm-hmm. really good. Like that's, well, I did a very brief kind of, uh, training wheels podcast before this and it was it was born out of like this you know uh, frustration of not having a creative outlet and having a creative outlet is awesome like I, I think everyone should have one it doesn't have to be podcasting it doesn't have to be music but it's it's just so important and it's it reminds me of the Kurt Vonnegut quote uh, that I don't know offhand but I can misappropriate the musings of him and say it's something to the effect of that art makes is what makes us human right even if you do it poorly it doesn't matter because that's nourishing to the human experience and i i firmly believe that so i mean that's i think we could both agree to that that's that's one of my other favorite things about doing the show colby wrote a second question that says, who is the most handsomest slash beautiful guest on the show? That's not a fair question. <laughs> this guy's wife was a guest, Colby. Yeah, I mean, there's that. Let's start there. But then, like, most beautiful, yes. <laughs> I but also most choose this guy's wife. Thank you. I mean, but, like, still, what about Brian and Ryan? Brian's got a good beard and no, excuse me. Ryan's got a good beard and Brian's got a great smile. I'd kiss his forehead. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Next time I'm in Central Florida, you boys be careful. <laughs> Top three forehead kiss attempts from Ben. <laughs> oh, it's all in good fun list off, guys. We love I'll, you very much. I'll meet you at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. Dude, Ryan posted another picture of him going to Legoland with his son. I want to go so bad. I would say drive directly to Legoland and don't go anywhere else because it is very much by a place called Winter Haven. And it's not that Winter Haven is a bad place. I just don't. It's not a Ben place. And I think you would have similar feelings. Legoland's awesome, though. I'd, I'd, I'd say Legoland, yes. Yeah, Colby, come on. You knew what you were doing with this. I'm going to say Colby just because he's very yeah. in shape and I don't want him to beat me up. I'll kiss his forehead too, and then he'll he'll never ask that question <laughs> again. But really, thank you, Colby, for those two great questions. We've got one more. Yeah, this we is, do. Uh, this is from a patron, and I purposely wanted <sighs> to save this one for last. Ben, take it away. What does our patron, Poppy the Keaton, at masked underscore llama say I'm, te- I'm telling everyone right now i'm making up this answer on the spot because this question is so like heady you go to bob's multi-dimensional cineplex where you can see any one movie from three different timelines okay first of all what so the three different timelines are once with a different director 
once with a different lead and once with a different twist in the third act. Which one movie do you choose? This is a great question. <laughs> no offense to any other buddy and no offense to anybody else that wrote in, but how do you top this one? We had to end with this. So in the spirit of, if I may go first, something, uh, that, please. something that immediately comes to mind is actually the Christmas movie Love Actually, which you might think, why Love Actually? Because how many leads are in that movie? The movie is nothing but leads. So like imagining everyone switched out is fun. Um, since it's such a sturdy rom-com, the idea of it being directed by, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino or someone else would be fantastic. Um, in the third act, I would just love to see everything fall apart or come together depending on whose timeline we're following. <laughs> so that's um, because that's love actually is that like love has many different forms, right? But like the idea that the relationships that were potentially dissolving, like maybe someone gets their head cut off, like a, like a la Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which would also be a good, or not, not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hobo with a Shotgun. That would be another movie I'd like oh to see. Oh my God. <laughs> I would love to see Hobo with a Shotgun or Love Actually. Those are my answers. Man. I Can I, can I be honest? I've never seen Love Actually. It's, it's worth a watch. Alan Rickman... Um, who else is in that thing? There's, there's so much star power in it. Martin Freeman, Hugh Grant, a number, I'm, I'm missing some actresses and I'm embarrassed to say that right now in my head. Oh, uh, Kira Knightley. Chiwetel Ejiofor is in it. It's a really, it's a really loaded movie. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier, but like, I really feel like a film casual. So like, I didn't know what to do with this one. Like my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. And I say one just because it kind of jumps between number one and number two, uh, Blazing Saddles. That was the first thing that I thought of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But how are you going to change that? Like everybody is perfectly cast. Mm -hmm. the, the twist at the end is hysterical. And like who else could direct that? It, it is it is the perfectly constructed movie. I can't do it. And then I was like, okay, what about like Monty Python? But again, like I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So so uh, this uh, this feels like such a such a lame answer but i'm gonna think like what about the big lebowski okay mm -hmm. big lebowski mm -hmm. different director you know uh i which again <laughs> i mean that's kind of also another perfect movie imo but uh different director yeah i, I don't know throw a throw tarantino or one of the monty python guys on it just turn it into something completely different that'd be kind of fun yeah Thinking about the leads, like, you can't take John Goodman out of that. It's just too good of a performance. It'd be pretty funny to replace Steve Buscemi with Michael Sarah, Just because, like, Goodman's character is always abusing him. And, ima <laughs> and imagining Goodman just screaming at Michael Sarah, who wouldn't know what to do. That'd be kind of funny. Or John, yeah. Twist in the third act, like, I, I don't know. Do anything different in the third act. It's It's fine. There are just too many good ones. Like I, I, all the Robin Williams ones, like, uh, like, like the birdcage and thinking about like forgetting Sarah Marshall, you could probably pretty easily switch out Mila Kunis or, uh, what's, what, what's his name? Not Jason Sudeikis. Oh, um, Marshall from how I met your mother. Jason yeah, I something. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm blanking too. You could pretty easily remove both of them. Or Russell Brand, even though he's not really the lead. But 
yeah, you know, like that, that, but that feels too easy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I have a great answer for this one. I mean, the, the Big Lebowski would be fun to replace John Goodman's character, uh, or rather John Goodman with like Nathan Lane. That would be absurd. I put okay. on my I put on my chaos helmet for these kinds of things. Like like Hobo with a Shotgun by Mel Brooks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> or maybe uh replacing Goodman's character with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Bees. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, RIP. <laughs> Hobo with a shotgun directed by Mel Brooks. Oh my god. <laughs> If you all haven't seen Hobo with a Shotgun, it is, uh, please just watch it. It's such a bizarre and it, it's so bad it's good. It's one of those. It's walking by a trash can that you've seen a hundred times and there's a really strange smell coming from it and it's in front of your neighbor's house and you look at it and go, I mean, I shouldn't look in here, should I? <laughs> <laughs> That is Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah, this is such a good question. Like, I kind of just, oh man, we could we could do like a whole 30-minute segment on this. Yes, we could. I mean, you could also like take any of the uh, like Goodfellas, you know, you could, you could switch pretty much any of the leads out with anybody else from The Sopranos and it would be okay. I, I've changed my answer. Cider House rules, sure. But imagining the Godfather with Muppets. <laughs> we just bring it full circle and you keep Al Pacino the same or you just keep uh, James Caan the same that would be yeah you know what for bloodshed sake let's keep James Caan the same just incredible that's a good one man that's a good one sorry everyone here's a funny one what if they redid uh Star Wars, and this is cheating a little bit, but all the Star Wars prequels, but instead of Ewan McGregor, it's Owen Wilson. Jesus Christ. That's <laughs> horrible to imagine. That is pretty bad. Ugh, yeah. We could do this literally all night. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Poppy the Keaton. That was, yeah. That What a, what a knockout of a question. And I, I told him in the Discord, too. I was like, hey, man. We're putting your question last because it's so good. All good questions. We appreciate all of you. And that question just has a bottomless pit of answers like most of yours. But honest to goodness, I mean, I, I'm sure you all right now are thinking of your own answers to that question. So, yeah. And please let us know, you know, if you're in the discord, if you're not in the discord, join the discord. It's free. And then you can let us know all of these things. Uh, you could also... Let us know on Instagram and Twitter. If you search Pixel Project Radio, we come up on both of those. Bofa does. Yeah, we do. Bofa dees nuts. <laughs> there it is. There it is. If, oh, you Ben leaned in close to the mic like he wanted to finish, so I wanted to. That's what she said. Sorry. Hey, there it is. Uh, the Office, but everybody that's not Michael is a Muppet. Oh, now I'm just thinking of all the office. Now, okay, we we can't do that. We'll, we'll I know, <laughs> I know. Um, you could join us on Patreon as well. I kind of talked about that earlier, so we don't need to talk about it now. That's about it, man. Those are our socials. Please uh, reach out to us with your movie swaps, your multidimensional cineplex choices, 
or if you just want to say hello, we do this as an outlet for ourselves, but it would just be hanging out together if it weren't for all of you. Uh, so you are an integral part of this, and we love and thank all of you. You're our community. You're welcome here. Even you listening for the first time. Come on over. Let us know what you have to say. Let us know what you think. Here's to another year, man. We're going to keep doing this until it either stops being fun or, you know, life changes so drastically that we can't anymore. In the meantime, I'm Ben Bugale. <laughs> Ooh, ben went first this time, and I am Rick Firestone. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us through all of 2022.